Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Emilio. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. You know what I hate? I hate whiners, you know? I hate the people who just complain, complain, complain. I know a guy in the joint once. Cell next to me, you know, he just he just yap about everything. He used to yap about the food and yap about the cards and yap about this and yap about that and yap 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 all night long. Fucking yap 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 like a fucking 747, you know what I mean? Like an engine stuck right between your fucking ears and you can't get rid of it because it's right next to you. You know what I mean? Let me tell you something, Ray. You don't understand shit, okay? Nothing. Guys like you check to see if they got a dick. I got one. You and your friends are the kind of spoon-fed fucking fruit bait that I fucking hate. Shut the fuck up. You fucking speak when spoken to, okay? This is not fucking high school, motherfucker. I'll eat your fucking friends for fucking lunch. You know who we are? You got no fucking idea, do you? No. Jerks like you just sail through life, reading about people like me in newspapers. Hey, this is a different place, motherfucker. Yeah, $100,000 might buy you out of North Shore, down here. Pussy, that means shit. This is my fucking world. Cue that the fucking theme song. Easy, fellas. Hear me out a second. Just give me a chance to talk. Money. Money's good. Yeah. Money makes the world go around. It's your business. Home is where the heart is, right? Can you say something about money? I'm going to come in here and lowball you. How about $100,000 cash? Hate! Fucking fruit bait shit. Money, money, money. $200,000. <laughs> Alright. You might do some things along in your life, and it's time for people to look at you and think about it and then pass some judgment at night. Judgment night. Judgment oh, night. Oh, 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 this one did not work out. That one didn't work out at all. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it wasn't no, great. I, I'll, I'll be the first to admit to it. I'm into it, bro. Roll with that. Is it a... It, roll with it. We roll with it, now, baby. Because we are live. Fuck it. We'll just do it live. Do it live. Um, 1993. Kind of a uh, dark uh, action thriller. Yeah. Dark action thriller with some nice light music. Uh, we got Stephen Hopkins directing, who has directed such memorable films as Predator 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, Lost in Space, Under Suspicion, S- like that. Uh, written by Lewis Colick, uh, the disease that uh, kids get and make them really ornery. Um, no, I don't know about that, but uh, I don't know what else Lewis Colick did, so... Uh, there's that. Um, produced by Eugene Levy's older cousin, Gene Levy. That's also not true. But we got Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary, Stephen Dorff, Jeremy Piven, uh, House of Pain, and a couple other faces that you may or may not recognize. Is it really recognize. House of Pain, by the way? I thought it was, but I, it is Everlast. Okay, fuck. I yeah, was making fun of him the it whole is time. Everlast, I didn't really yeah. know. <laughs> I was suspicious at, up until then. And then when you said, I'm like, that fucking totally is that guy. I was like, we'll jump around. That is it. We'll jump around. None of their, yes. m- their music's not in this, right? Uh, uh, surprisingly, no. no. But the music in this movie is worth talking about uh, for a couple of real interesting reasons. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Music by Alan Silvestri. 
uh, who uh, at one point I was thinking that some of the music from this did sound like a Predator movie uh, because he did the movie music for Predator at a very similar time frame. So uh, had some of that shit going on, but also did lots of work with Zemeckis for Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So dude knows what's up with musical music beats. Um, runs in at 110 minutes, so right between that 90 and 120 mark. That's how you best describe a 110-minute movie. Uh, and made for <laughs> $21 million, but brought back only half of that in the box office. So Ouch, this, no. Finishes movie, finishes up right after the 109-minute mark there, does it? <laughs> That's another way to describe it. <laughs> Slightly shorter than that 111-minute movie is, is another way you could go. Oh, I feel like I understand uh, now. <laughs> get it i can see it i see the i see the potential um so this movie kind of flew under my radar it wasn't really big on you know big releases uh at the time i would have been in high school when this movie came out so actually it should have been up my alley but i wasn't the biggest emilio fan uh, in my mind when i think of the movie cover uh the poster for this movie i uh, I think of uh, Free Jack <laughs> instead, and I always got these movies messed up, uh, switched up in my mind. Um, Free Jack with uh, a- Anthony Hopkins, uh, which is maybe one we should do at some point for silliness reasons. But we wanted to do this flick because uh, Dennis Leary uh, was big on our minds after The Ref. We really liked his performance, and so we wanted to sneak in a couple of Dennis Leary movies to see if the man's chops continued along to other forms of film and uh well we can't do much in television space because that's not what we do in this pod but definitely see how he hands up in films i think um more uh more of a history with this movie will be found with mr colin who uh recommended it uh yeah no well both me and brent like like this movie mainly because of the opening theme song and uh (laughs) <laughs> that song it's called Falling right and who sings it Falling that's a I don't know. fan club I think yeah so anyways I've always like been enjoyed this movie um, there's a lot of big actors in it Piven uh, Emilio um, Steven Dorff like like people that were at the time very popular and like there's it's fun man it's about these guys it's, it's a chase movie they're trying to hide get home they're they're being pursued by this 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 thug gang of uh, you know and like even the bad guys are kind of interesting. The, you, you don't get to know them very well, but they all have a, like a little bit of a character and stuff. So so I always thought it was fun, you know. And it's not very long. Uh, you know, it wraps up nicely at the end. There's not it doesn't drag. So I feel like um, yeah, it was like a tight little package, good little movie, good story, good writing. I always enjoyed teenage, it, and I've probably seen it a De dozen. Soul. Sorry. Yeah, I think I've seen Sorry it like a dozen times. That. That's okay. I think I've seen it about a dozen times. Woo, Brent. Uh, same with me. I was not in high school because I'm the baby of the group, but um, <laughs> yeah. I remember this coming out big time, and this soundtrack. Like I was a, I was in bands and playing guitar and all that shit at this time um so when this came out this soundtrack was a huge deal um because of the collaborations it was kind of groundbreaking with uh with kind of like the rock and the and the hip-hop or rap kind of um 
you know, getting together to do all these songs. Um, it's fucking awesome. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, this movie was big for me when it came out. I, I also loved the movie. It was very exciting. I used to be a massive Dennis Leary fan. Um, I was always big in a stand-up comedy, and Dennis Leary kind of had that edge to him that, you know, if you're a young dude, uh, you could kind of latch on to that personality pretty easy. Absolutely. So, yeah, man, this, when Colin and I discussed this movie the first time, we had just been like, if, if we hadn't already been friends, we'd have been friends at that moment because it was like <laughs> this, this mutual fondness for this movie and all the songs and everything. Like we instantly start singing that fallen. We sing it together every time it comes on. It's, uh, <laughs> yes. it's just the way it goes. Nice rendition. Nice rendition <laughs> when we got together to watch this. Yeah, song. it was really fun. I, th- there is something about that song. It's so catchy and, the lyrics and uh, it's it is a mix of two different genres that kind of just works um, perfectly. It starts uh, so well with that traveling, you know, and you, you just instantly rolled into it. I don't know that fucking song is is uh, the tits. What, what are the song. rules about playing the song on uh, on our podcast? Probably bad. You could uh, play a couple seconds. I think I don't know what fair use is. Um, did you know, boys, that Tool and Rage Against the Machine came together to do a song for this movie? No way. And it didn't yes. make it or it made it? Awesome. Uh, it's called Can't Kill the Revolution. And you can find the demo, uh, but apparently both bands were not pleased with it at all. And so it never made the cut. And I gave it a little listen. And I love both of those bands. And it's a pretty shitty song. Ah. It's oh, that's fucking super uninspired. You hear that it's Tool, then when the part comes, you hear that it's Rage Against the Machine, and in the middle is just what the fuck. So that's, not cool. Yeah, that's a not shame. cool. Although you know, Rage and Tool have well, Maynard has collaborated on Rage song. Um, yep. I don't know that uh, that that's gone the other way ever. Tool tends to not really bring in artists, but. Um, that's a shame that they couldn't get that together. I mean, they're very different bands. Yes. Yep. But uh, uh, but you think but they I could make it work? I mean, also damn, so yeah. long rage. I don't know if anyone saw the news, but they decided to uh, call it quits. They've announced that they will never play live together again, which for John and I will be a particularly large kick in the nuts. Who announced we that? Had tickets Rage Against the Machine. Uh, oh, we had yeah. tickets to see them for the first times in our life. Been the first time for the last fan. time. And uh, then that motherfucking bat soup uh, happened and everyone <laughs> had to stay home for fucking three years. We had uh, we actually had reasonably priced tickets. And then after the cancellation, they decided they were coming back uh, at two times the price. Yeah, what the fuck, man? But I don't think they actually did. Did they actually get no. to play here? No, they no, didn't. They, so. never, they never came. I would have so that I would have beat somebody to get in there, but um, not at those prices, man. No, you just can't. That's one thing I will not will not do. It's also weird uh, for a socialist band to fucking totally charge rapist prices. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. Um, so the music in this movie is actually interesting. They um, There's a couple of interesting tidbits about this movie. In number one, that they couldn't get people together to be in this movie that they wanted. 
And so they were apparently running a pre-production budget of like $8 million. Um, and they were like, we're either shooting this or we're throwing it in the goddamn trash. And so Emilio Estevez came along and said, I want $4 million to play the lead. And they said, here you go, sir. Ching, ching. Which I was very much surprised at. He got a fifth of the overall budget to be the lead. So, like, Emilio is not uh, not big. But, like, when you're considering that John Travolta and Tom Cruise um, were being considered for the leads in this one, um, that's a very interesting fact about the movie. And so, like, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to also say that this movie intentionally was planned to be much, much more dark and thrillery. And so they added some humor afterwards and changed uh, the direction that the music was taking for the movie to kind of meet that more mainstream action flick rather than scary thriller flick. Yeah, the music are all does turn interesting into choices. action flick, right? Yeah. I would have liked to see this as the dark thriller. I know that's my default anyway, but like that's that's where this needs to go because it's there already. It's the second you even get thrown off the building, like shit goes bad. Because when that other guy gets killed in the street in the beginning, like there's no saying what he could have been involved in. So it's obvious that he stole money from somebody. It's obvious that he was, you know, a bad guy. You don't necessarily um, have that darkness when he gets shot. But yeah, when Piven does the does the fucking Superman off there, that's, and that's for sure when things should take a major turn. Um, yeah, they forget about him pretty quick. I would too. Piven's kind of annoying. <laughs> Violence kind of like surrounded this movie because during the filming, um, where Piven and uh, and uh, Fallon, Ray and Fallon, have their altercation, the one that I we did the quotes for me and Brent. There was a shooting. They heard a gunshot, and they went downstairs. And a sixteen-year-old kid kid had blown another six-year-old kid's head off in a in a uh, init- a murder initiation for a gang. So they they decided to move the shooting of the movie somewhere else because there was a shooting during the movie, a real yeah. life shooting. And then Holy and God. the opening weekend of this movie in the Bronx, there was a shooting in the theater. And the media blamed the movie for inciting yeah. violence, and they pulled it from the theater after two weeks, which is why this movie tanked. Yep. So All it was true. two shootings. Cursed. Cursed movie. Yeah, it's too was bad this, because... Was this really filmed in Chicago then? It sounds like that was uh, a Chicago experience. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, there are shots of Chicago in the movie. I don't know if they're in those shots or in that second unit. Yeah, I can't see that in the trivia where where they, the, I believe it was it shot was. in L.A. Um, because at one point later on in the RV they pass by Patty's Pub um, from <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is actually located in. in no LA. shit, do they really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. That's amazing, I must say. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, when this movie uh, starts out. Uh, the setup for everything is kind of really interesting, but doesn't quite come around full circle in in one of the ways. One of the things I wanted to talk about, uh, Emilio's wife, who is not a very nice lady. Huge bitch. Yeah, she is... uh, What's the right way to put it? She is... (sighs) Yeah, what is she? Cunty? (laughs) That's... 
That's probably the right word. John it's, was it's waiting a, for me to say it. I know that I, <laughs> I knew that I kind of figured that you would. It doesn't really make any sense why we bro. need that conflict either. Yeah, like that's not the that's not the thing. Like him wanting to get home to his wife and daughter and them being threatened throughout the movie movie is enough. So I'm not sure why they had to play it off that she is like pretty unreasonably um anti him going out to do anything other than be at home with her and the kid. If I'm uh, like married to her, I'm uh I'm happy with the way the night turns out. <laughs> I think also it would make more sense for the writing if she was pushing him to go yeah. and he didn't really want to go and she's like, you've been trapped in the house, go and have some fun with your friends. I'll see you later. And then he goes and then this shit all happens and he just wants to get home. He should have stayed home. He was right all along. He should have never went. That would have made more sense as opposed to the way it plays out because why make his wife the bad guy in the beginning of the movie? It makes no sense. They like Starts so... It on a weird... They so lean into her being negative and the bad guy. I don't think you need any conflict there at all. You just see a loving no. wife and, and new daughter wishing uh, their husband a, a good night as he, well, not their husband, uh, unless they're from certain parts of the world. Um, they are, you know, just, just like obviously we've had a new child. There's been a lot of being at home. Everyone can make the assumption. She kisses him, have a great night. He goes off. And then, I mean... Then the stakes for me are, are worse because, you know, he has this loving family at home that he's now um, at chance of losing. And I mean, yeah. I guess if you're in, if, if you're close to death, you probably even crave the cold grasp of that bitch. But uh, <laughs> I still think that uh, that the way that that starts is so annoying. Like I it get does. the idea that the friends are a little bit troubled, but that doesn't really play into it at all. That's right. another point I wanted to make is that they keep saying that Emilio's changed, right? And for, like he's got a kid now, so that's not surprising. But they kind of like I couldn't tell if he was just a party animal, but they almost lean into how badass he used to be, mm-hmm. which yeah, doesn't do, really yeah. end up paying off when he starts fighting uh, Dennis Leary later because he doesn't break out the Kung Fu. He's not like a great bar fighter. He can kind of hold his own. So it doesn't not explain it, but I would have much preferred if he was like, I used to get in fucking bar fights all the time and I ha- I know how to take guys down and that was my past and that becomes useful when we're getting into big fights. But he just kind of like is like, no, I don't want altercations and he's like very afraid, rightfully so, throughout. And it doesn't end up paying off all the, the hearkening back to his past. So the movie's opening completely fails at setting up what I think it should have. Which him could have, I, I like the way you guys describe it. His wife would be like, just get out of here. Like, go have some fun with your friends. And they're like, yeah. she could have rolled her eyes at the ragtag group. I can't believe these guys still like they're in high school. But you know what, honey, go have a great time. And then he would have been like, no, no, I, I, I can't. I don't want to get back into that because I, you know, I hurt someone and I was badass. And then as soon as the shit with Dennis Leary starts, he could have been like, I'm fucking coming for you, Fallon. Yeah, it could have been like the... um, It could have been like, what's that Western movie with Billy Crystal? City City Slickers. Slickers. City Slickers, where his wife's like, go find your smile again. Like, go do this thing and then come back to me, you know, a a new man. Like, you know, get (laughs) some shit out of... Just blow off some steam. Get some shit out of your system. Like... Yeah. Everybody needs Blow to do dudes. that, honey. And he's like, and he could just be like, are you sure you guys are going to be okay? And she's like, go, just fucking go. Go be with your friends. He's like, okay, cool. You know, that's yeah. all it had to be. Yep. I like, I like what John said too about like, maybe just have the indication that he had hurt somebody before because oh, yeah. there's this discussion of how badass he is 
but then just no seeming reason for his turn right like is it just because you had a kid what is it right and why is everyone talking about it so much it feels like it's a recent change yeah um you know since maybe the kid or whatever or maybe it's old old because cuba Gooden jr i never liked this part when they get in the fight on the highway yeah and um emilio gets out he wants to break it up cuba does the uh hold the guys thing on there and then you know yeah and then offers to fuck his girlfriend and uh (laughs) And then that Gentlemen. guy gets in his truck all emasculated and he turns around and is like, I remember a time when you would have fucked that guy up. And I mean, that's not a good thing. Like, that's no. not a good... You don't <laughs> want somebody that's just irrationally jumping through window. Like, that's the worst part of Stephen Dorff is, um, is his, like, constant impulsivity. And it feels almost excessive it feels a bit too far sometimes the way that he is constantly willing to die over his pride and and maybe there's people like this but i just i i don't know it's it's a it's a weird thing the way that they break that out but i didn't like the way that that makes emilio seem like he was just like a wild asshole do you know what i mean like yeah make him somebody that used to fight but maybe you know for good reasons right like yeah it doesn't explain the tension or to stick up for women or some shit something something like it it it, i needed a well i didn't need it because it's not a huge part of the movie but it it, like there's obvious tension between him and his brother and it's not really explained and i don't get it his brother's a huge dick to him as soon as he comes in even though emilio took the time to invite so if it was that emilio was a wild card in his youth and his brother is taking after him and that's not what emilio wants to see him be doing that's nice then that explains all the tension lets me know why uh uh, dorf is like the way he is and um that it would make emilio even more protective and anti that and all explained but instead it's just like no you used to be you used to do crazy things man you're crazy what happened to you i don't get it that you had a kid and you're changed I think you guys are right. You either needed to explore that deeper and further with some dialogue or something, or you needed to pull back on it and have less of people saying stuff. Like, it didn't have to be that he was, like, badass or anything. You know, like, he could just be, like, a tough guy who, like, you know, maybe he just used to get into fights and stuff. It doesn't... They, they make it sound like he was, like... I don't know. They can make him sound like something that, that never pays off. Yeah. I think what they should Not do like with him is they take those tension points that we hate previously, which is the passive-aggressive wife and then the immediately passive-aggressive and guilt-shaming uh, brother, right? Yep. Um, and we just take those and have those be contributing points to his breaking, right? Where I, like later throughout the thing, the pressure and the stress of the night and the um, danger on top of this constant like guilting right yeah. and then he's just like just like what the fuck and then that's when he snaps and old emilio come out right that's and like, that would make more sense for like in the street when uh later on when they're chasing the bus and cuba shoots at the bus and then punches emilio like that could should have been the other way around like emilio should have been the one slowly snapping into violence yeah great and saves there. the day at the end the the other guys cuba doesn't like, make sense there no, no. Everyone has like these manic moments that 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 are anti what I feel the characters would actually be doing at any given time. And like Piven's a good example because he goes from 
like, like I want to get away from a hit and run to um, I'm scared for my life and can't crawl across a little thing to I can now negotiate with, with with killers while I'm standing in front and like the the risk of death is now imminently in my face. Like it's like I, I don't know that people are making those decisions in that. Um, and Cuba's Cuba's freakout is there, and um, one of the henchmen who just decides at one point after he's been shot in the chest, given that's given, and then he like they can't recognize what Leary is, and that he would like be willing to kill them and drown them in a pool. So there's like lots of little stuff where the characters just do kind of what's convenient and needed to move the script forward. And I don't think it would have been that hard to set up characters and and their actions to to kind of make sense given like that that one henchman should have like complained a little more throughout the movie to lead up to the point where leary snapped because that guy didn't yeah. say shit until that scene no he, um, that's why he was the yeah. new guy the disposable one right yeah like that's it right that's just, that's no that's no better than mustache twisting bad guys um to have someone just be like oh i don't like it he's like i'm drowning you for that it, it's yeah like he just no. needed to say a couple more times why don't we just like let these guys go the suburbanites like they don't know who we are nothing's gonna come of this and then they're like fuck that we gotta get them yeah. So yeah, you just needed maybe even one, one or no, probably two more instances where that guy's like, "This is a waste of our time." Like, let's just stand down. Like, let's stop chasing these guys. Like, why are we doing this? They don't know yeah. who we are. Like, what are they going to tell the cops? That's it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, what do they know? Like, uh, some kind of nondescript car that you can probably use as a just a drop car. Burn it. They'll never know who we were. Like, they're not from this neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah. That neighborhood, by the way. So a couple, there's a couple of funny neighborhood things in this. The first of all is all the men in business suits uh, in Emilio's neighborhood constantly crossing the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just dudes with briefcases. And <laughs> we'll have to go and look back. I want to go and look back and see if they're the same ones because so I think they use the same the same people twice. Yeah, once during is... the slow mo, and then once when they're driving off. I think they have oh. the exact same extras. It must have been a newly converted neighborhood where the homes were bought up by a bunch of small businesses and then everyone's just leaving work <laughs> yeah. that day. But, but instead, yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. what the fuck was going on there. And then the 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 not so nice parts of town that they end up in was like, I mean, felt otherworldly. Like, I, I understand the things in the world now are like that. And I've seen like San Francisco and L.A. and some of the bad neighborhoods but but the one that's portrayed in this in chicago is just like what the fuck that really exists uh so that yeah. was that that seemed a little dark it, it's kind of a uh a, a little over the top it seemed that that things were were quite that bad in that area which you know what might not have stuck out in my mind for this movie because obviously it's about you know getting getting hit in a bad part of town and uh, but this was such a hugely vast, bad part of town. It almost seemed like the running man. Yeah. 400 square blocks of fucking total shit where no one, no one, there's nobody, not a person. And if you do see a person, they're either gang or vagrant. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know about that. It part. feels it very industrial. Wasteland. Well, I think that shit, like if you think about Detroit after the collapse, right? Like that's, that would be the same. I really feel that's that's accurate to a lot of these places yeah um, despite the fact that it does feel like you're right it feels too far um i think that it isn't too far is kind of uh scary um, yeah unless i'm wrong and i hope i'm wrong about that but it just feels like uh 
like a complete fucking shithole. Like what New York was <laughs> in the seventies, I think. In some parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. The neighbor doesn't really feel like a place where people live. It's all feels like it's factories and train station or train depots and stuff. Like the only time there ever feels like someone lives in that neighborhood is when they go into those projects, which is a couple of buildings. But otherwise, it just feels like very wasteland, like that no one really lives in that area. And like those people actually live in those projects and then travel elsewhere because there's no businesses that are operating around there. There's no no McDonald's or Subways. So like those people must have to drive a long way just to drive out into that area. These these people look like they're living in luxury compared to the fucking Boondock Saints guys. Like that place yeah. was was, was uh, lived in, and they were basically just living in a fucking decrepit old building. Yeah, they were squatting. Yeah. So it just seems like there were many many city blocks of squatting properties. People um, live everywhere, guys. That's true. You guys ever seen The Wire? Yeah, yeah that's true. they did feel kind of like The Wire. Well. Yep. Not but it felt way worse than the wire. Like the wire seemed to be settled around like a, a small area of the projects. But you know, if given uh, a couple of hours and I could run in a straight direction towards something, I could probably run to somewhere that looked half habitable um, and could like get a hold of people who were you know uh, maybe would would give me some help and not assume that they're just going to be stabbed in the face. So yeah, that that stuff was a little bit uh, over the top, um, and not the best way. Uh, it could have worked for the movie, but I, I just maybe would have needed a, a little bit, a little bit more to, to 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 support something like that. Um, how did our boy Dennis Leary do? Let's get to that. I, He's a good bad guy. I think he did well. I always like Leary in these roles. It it suits him. Yeah, yeah. he's a good villain. He. I can't think of another movie. Does he? Is there other movies where he plays the villain, the bad guy? Um, uh, yeah, the ref. Well, he yeah, but the ref he's kind of like not really a bad guy. He's just uh, a thief stuck he, in a. He kidnaps a. Family yeah, I guess after so. Robin <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's a bad guy. That's fair. He kidnaps the whole family. Yeah, no, Colin's that's like, bad. But he's, but he's, but he's such a, nice a gentleman. Guy. <laughs> but he's not portrayed. But he's more like. I, I guess Kevin Spacey and his wife are the the main characters in that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do like when Leary steps out. Like, I'm interested when we do the Thomas Crown affair to see because uh, he's the cop in that who kind yeah, of pines the after the lady, but he's more like normal guy, just a couple of divorces, whatever. I think he does that well. I I, I don't know, man. After after checking this one out, I thought just like you guys, I thought he's a fine bad guy. He has that menace. He's a he's a bigger imposing guy. He has the attitude that kind of yeah. goes with. And he's like one of the characters in this that I don't I don't question. He goes on this kind of uh, it's like a vendetta for him by the end, even before his best friend quote unquote gets killed. Um. And he has like some some good monologue speeches in the train yard and stuff like that when he's trying to get everybody to come out and and uh, trying to scare folks. So uh, I actually feel like Leary's one of the best parts of this movie because his character's the one I'm asking for the least explanations on, and and um, he sells it when he when he does his thing. So I agree. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, it, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I wonder if people didn't like Dennis Leary. Like, why didn't he pop off as bigger um, when he's stealing know. the show here? 
They the well, movie got canceled though, so nobody get to see it. Like that whole that whole thing where they pulled the movie after two weeks. So this movie made half its budget back in two weeks. So this could have been a really big movie had it not been for the shooting in the theater and it getting yanked. Like that's actually pretty shitty luck for everybody involved that that yeah. this movie wasn't successful because of something that didn't have anything to do with the movie. Yeah. They blamed mm, I mean, it for is... violence like they always blame. They blame films for violence. It's just like there's no they violence blame... before movies. Like caveman oh, days. Know. Everyone like loved each other. You know, was clubbing each other and killing each other. There's no brutality in like the thousand years, thousands of years before a film came out. Yeah, before the Xbox and the fucking violent mm. movies. Yeah, no oh, yeah, wars, no, no wars, no genocide, By nothing. The way, Careful you don't show a tit. Uh, that would corrupt the whole all of society. Yes. No nipple. Uh, yeah, no nipple. Just nipple. murder. Just murder. Yeah. You can't show we need, nudity. We need more labia on TV and less violence. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, that would be a nice switch to see. But what do you guys think <laughs> of how they got in a situation? I think it's kind of bullshitty. Yeah, well, uh, not as no, bullshit I, as turn the fight off. You're not allowed to watch the fight. That That's the too. dumbest fucking thing that they do is fucking turn that fight off. You can't record and you can't rewind once you get to the stadium. So why aren't you watching the fights going on live? Um, but I don't mind that. that. That is always something that I don't know about you guys, but you'd always heard these stories growing up of different people, especially back in the day when there was no Google Maps and all that shit. And people would be in these different cities and... They would have these stories about just taking the wrong turn off of the interstate and then all of a sudden they're in this bad neighborhood where they're like, like I've, I've heard firsthand stories of people that said they had people come up to the car when they were in these neighborhoods and be like, you shouldn't be here. Like, you got to go. Yeah, you know what? You've convinced me. Directions. You know, that's a good point. That's totally and fair. It's so true. I love that, especially with the um, with the motorhome. Like the motorhome is such a bulky like you, yeah. you don't have that mobility to quickly kind of race around and maybe you can escape. Like you're driving a fucking city bus. I don't like um, how unstreet smart they are once they get there and they're like doing those things, talking over the intercom at those homeless guys and shit. To me, yeah. just get the fuck out as soon as you can. Yep. Like the, that they hit a guy or potentially and whether he was shot or not doesn't even come really come into play because like Piven was drinking way too much, yeah. way and too much. And continues to drink afterwards. Yes. Um, that that was ball. all fine. So how they got into it once they were in this not great area, even if the city wasn't as bad as they made it portray, uh, like the, the total shithole uh, disaster zone. Even if it was just like more of like what I would think of a regular disaster zone of a community. The guy coming out from behind a thing, getting hit, all good. But like Brent said, it's it's how they react. And it's like, let's get out, leave the door open, leave all the lights on inside. No, like, I don't know. It, it, I was like, get the fuck. Even if you take the guy in, like then start driving to the hospital immediately. Immediately. Yeah. They, um, they get out of that fucking bus to check like a scooby-doo like yeah all one after another proceeding around the bus <laughs> the same direction door open pivot inside just diddling waiting for fucking someone to just walk around the bus get in and hold a gun to his head like if yeah. they hadn't really hit this guy uh you know different story 
No, yeah, they should have backed away. <laughs> And then uh, yeah, but yeah. I think I like when they are they're in the neighborhood. Like this movie, once they hit that guy and stuff, this movie moves really quickly. Like it's always moving. Um, the only time it really slows down is when they're in the sewers, the gigantic sewers, oh, and yeah. they make a stand and stuff um, to wait for those guys, and they have that conversation. But otherwise, it's kind of moving, moving, moving. They're being chased from one place to another. Um, the stuff in the trains, the train yard and stuff was good, and I, yeah, it moves. Yeah, I. The, that one the, guy went to college. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was a college, not a graduate, but a college. An student. attendee. No, he, yeah, he attended college. Yeah, I, I kept calling um, him a college grad. Train yard but we don't instantly know he made me think about that, like a rain <laughs> reference. <laughs> I don't. One thing I don't like is how adept uh, Leary and his boys are at finding them every time. Like I know they're at this train yard, and then I know they're. I can see them in the sewer. I mean, there's some stupidness from the guys. That running. part for sure. They they um, kind of cover up going in into the building. They cover up in dialogue the train because yeah. he's like maybe they just moved on. Like we should we should maybe they're not even here. Like we should go and they are gonna leave. And uh, building, they get a witness who saw them. So yeah, that the train yard is is Leary's uh, realm, and then the other one they have that witness, like you're saying. Yeah, but yeah. looking sewer, looking in the sewer was down. yeah pretty shitty. Well, and they split up in the sewer, so <laughs> they don't really. It's not like they're the Ninja Turtles. They don't know where they're going down there. They, <laughs> yeah, they all take a pipe and and work it. So yeah, so to speak. I don't know. Even if I think of a community like where I live, if there was like someone squeezed me by the Safeway over here and then I like started running um, squeezed up, you. up uh, I don't know, towards uh, uh, towards the park. Right. And then they're going to yeah. like drive to the other side of the park. I mean, what's to say I wouldn't double back or hide somewhere else or do something like that? I it just it, it stretches my imagination. Like the, if they had seen them clearly or or something along those lines, it, it would have sat a little bit better with me. Uh, otherwise, so that's just a gr- like, actually John's got a good strategy. I think if we got in this situation, we should use him as our definitely as our leader because he's yeah. right. If you're going in a direction and you go through like an alley of a building, if you go around the corner and you go back and double back, that's a great way of throwing them off the scent because. They're never expecting you to go back the way you just came. They're going to yeah. be moving forward. So you you could lose them quite easily, even if they know. They, and they, it's not like they know the train yards very well. It's not like they hang out at the train yard. Yeah. Why did they yeah. have to go up the stairs? Could they not have gone down the stairs? <sighs> exactly. <laughs> Which stairs? When she goes, go to the roof. Oh, I guess she was saying there was a sneaky way to get across. They wouldn't have thought about yeah, it. Yeah, the kids. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, why did they go up to the roof instead of down? A down feels obvious, but uh, I guess up is a good move. I think that the only way down is to run into those guys. They, I think they're coming up the stairs, right? Well, they were kicking down doors. It sounded like they were right outside for a while. I, that whole uh, thing was a little bit yeah, uh, we the way that that played out, but I don't hate it because we know where we're going. Leary and his gang are fucking ruthless. They're just instantly shooting shotguns through doors. Through like, doors, yeah. Like I have a hard time imagining that they'd be willing to expose themselves to this level of risk for 
Um, trying to get away from people who saw them murder. Like, yeah, then you yeah, can't yeah, they're going to murder more witnesses. Yeah, exactly right. Who live in the neighborhood and probably know about the gang and be like, oh, that was that was uh, Fallon's gang for sure. Um, I also did feel like them crawling across the ladders that were duct taped together or bungee cord, what was it, zip tied together, was yeah, a little not like, like how I would, would I would, how I would do it. There didn't seem to be. They took their time. I, I think there'd be more urgency. I think they would have gone across and been gone by yeah. the time those guys got upstairs. I'm if if this was, again was my movie, I might have had uh, the Piven character die sooner, like in the first altercation at the train yard, to really up the stakes for the runners. But maybe also have one of Dennis Leary's crew killed early, so that they are as ruthless as they are for a reason. Because up until people like that go. It, uh, that the stakes are kind of there, um, but it just would have set set me in a totally new direction, like really fearing for the life. More. But but Piven's kind of an antagonist. He is, yeah, annoyingly so. So they uh, they make him like more selfish and more um, ruthless uh, in their survival. But I like when he breaks down and stuff. They get the gun and he cries, and I like that he tries to negotiate with them. Because he's he thinks that that he maybe he can, I like when he thinks he's gonna get off the roof too. He's like I'm gonna get off yeah. this roof, and they're like, yeah, you sure are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the way that he turns there because he goes from terror, and then you see he just like like he's still full of terror, but he's you know doing his best sales pitch. Um, I like the way he goes out. I've always thought it was good, and I always kind of like the way that Leary's like. You can't pay me two hundred grand to leave a loose end, so you're fucking off, right? Yeah, I wouldn't have trusted him to pay me either. Um, no, I don't like how the Jesus. the friend group reacts. I mean, they're they're shocked and and it's like horrible, but like that kind of shit would not leave you uh, later. And after I defeated the bad guys, I certainly wouldn't be laughing and celebrating and being like, "Yeah, go to that football game." Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my friend is dead. And I yeah. saw him die. Like, that's some traumatic shit. But they can't put anyone on the hook for that fucking uh, motorhome. No. So that's good news. I do like, and Brent mentioned this. So when they're in the sewers, a lot of movies do this badly. But when they get the gun, Cuba gets the gun and he's pointing at the bad guy. And then the bad guy, like, just w- takes one step towards him. And he shoots off. him. Yep. I would like to believe in this exact same situation that I would react that way. Well, especially yeah. if you saw them kill your friend earlier. That's what I mean. And then they're trying to kill you. I mean, the only reason you're there in there with the sewer is because they're there to assassinate you. So you now have the upper hand. And as soon as that guy does any kind of threatening thing, bang, and Cuba gets him. And that I really liked that scene. I think that worked out well for uh, the writing and the directing and the acting. Yeah, yeah. Cuba gets becomes a little bit of an asshole after that. I don't know if I like his reactions, the way he, he starts acting. Oddly weird. Yes, he um, does, and not in a way that you think that someone who just killed another person, like obviously for the first time, uh, would go. He gets power hungry like right away. Yeah, it's like yeah, bossing everybody like, around. Well, like I just don't understand because at the beginning, the way that he takes that guy on the highway, and like Cuba, out of everybody seems like that friend that you could rely on right like if shit goes bad cuba's the one who's gonna be by your side yeah you know he can um, handle himself so 
he can handle himself. I mean, he calmly takes that guy on the highway. Yeah. He's the one that's like, you know, trying to help uh, Emilio and Dorf kind of soften their relationship, right? He's uh, trying to give Ray guidance. Uh, I mean, he seems to be, unless I'm just misremembering, but he seems to be kind of like the level-headed yeah. um, one of the group. And so, like, I understand how that juxtaposes at the end when you see him lose it and maybe that's supposed to express that but like john said realistically we should see that come out of emilio like he's the one who we're here about this sordid past he's the one um who's the main character he's the one with the biggest stakes right yeah like he's got the wife and the kid that's it does the motorhome um you know being on the hook for that who gives a shit if you live it's a thing Dorf clearly has nothing going on. Yep. I imagine that uh I imagine that uh what's his name? Show me the money. Uh I imagine he's got a pretty decent life. He, he looked like, like it. A, he had a nice car. Like a he drove up in. Guy. Yeah. yeah, he, he, had he a, attracts yeah, 16-year-old dog walkers in in the neighborhood. <laughs> that was okay in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also like ends up getting attitude with uh, Emilio calling him boss and stuff like that, bringing up like this weird racial thing that was never even hinted at. I don't know if yeah. it was racial. I thought it was That's more. Just how I get has, it. Like, that has racial con- like slave and master, right? Oh yeah. Anything yeah. You want, I guess boss, you're right. Like, I never considered that. I thought he was more so just being, you know, a dick because Emilio was trying to take the lead, but you're right. I never considered, uh, that type of, uh, thing. When yeah, he says that. I found it I found it weird and Emilio eventually is just like knock that shit out and he does and I'm like uh, okay like is yeah. there some history here I'm not privy to like I don't get it. There did yeah. seem to be a lot of this um st- behind the scenes stuff that nobody knows about so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I think a lot of it's implied relationship shit because we all kind of like understand who they are to each other right away like they're just That's I true. mean they're like us right they're they're dudes that have been friends forever and they like to bust chops and they, you know, go out and they can get a little reckless sometimes. And they, you know, it's just when you're, when you're friends like that, that's how it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Sewn up con uh, comment there. That's just how <laughs> shit is. There. Interesting. Sorry, well, so what do you guys attention. think of the ending? We could talk about the ending. Like, so they break into that place. They, which I think it was a smart idea. Yeah, they, it absolutely they set off was. an alarm. They get the they get those security guards killed. Yeah, <laughs> so how they are, act when they're arrested or they're taken into custody by the security guards not a good idea, especially forgetting that you have a big revolver tucked in your. Uh, yeah, that was stupid. But I like how they were acting where they were so happy about it, and they're like, "Yeah, arrest us, please." <laughs> yeah, put on the cuffs and stuff, and they're. I like I that stuff because, like, they're kind of lunacy at that point. They're was, kind of lunatics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of annoyed by it, but. I might have said we're still being pursued by crazy people with weapons. They're not like, going to listen to anything first. you say when you break into their building. They're going to think you're full of shit. I guess. Well, you'd be like, why do you think we smashed it and have just been walking around in here and we're clearly not covering our face uh, or doing anything? Or stealing anything. We're just like, yeah. in here, lunatics. And they don't, I don't know, they're not dressed like they're ready there for a heist or anything like that. But uh, no. those security guards did seem inept. It took them a really long time to find them. They were wandering yeah. around bashing things. I mean, they are making their presence known. It took forever for those guys <laughs> to respond. 
Uh, like, but the final sh- like showdown that 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 uh, Dorf and and Cuba go and get wounded. Cuba gets really shot badly by a a, a, a desert eagle. Yeah. Uh, firing uh, fifty. Yeah, and should not that's, be able to do what he does after that happens. I don't think that's a survivable injury for one. But yeah, he no. would have a giant hole out, out his back. But he's just able to, you know, walk around a bit more. And Dorf gets shot in the leg. That uh, one's more believable. Yeah, yeah like but the, Dorf. Dorf could have had that uh, that uh, that artery blown out. Like yeah, his sure. could have been just as fucking bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Uh, but, getting, but getting shot in the limb versus getting shot in the stomach with the second. Oh no, you're caliber. right. That is worse for yeah, sure. Way, 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 way worse. I definitely would take an arm or a leg over the stomach with a gun like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always gonna take exception to a movie where someone's getting the shit kicked out of them, and then something happens or is said, and the rage and adrenaline like gets them to like perk up. And that Dennis Leary lets Emilio stand up to turn around and start fighting back is yeah. I I never like that stuff. Like when you're getting pounded and you're like getting beat about the head and you're disoriented, no amount of adrenaline or clear thinking is ever going to snap you out of that. But I, uh, I don't it, know. I think adrenaline's some, pretty powerful. I just think at that point, like you wouldn't have any left after the night that you've had. Maybe um, that's true. There there would have been a lot of expenditure of of that in the whole evening. Holy Christ! Yeah. The, the dump after all that adrenaline would be they'd be bawling they'd be like bawling the whole time at the end yeah that's how my adrenaline used to dump that's how everyone's does i think i think that's why actors cry at the end of plays i mean they've like been on stage for like two hours and all of that adrenaline and emotion like it has to go somewhere and you funnel it and they just ball yeah or or you fuck and then boom Oh, you fucking you cry. Fuck and you, you ball. cry when you're Boom. Oh, yeah, That's the full a, release. That's that is the full it. release. You either masturbate with it or you do the other. Or both. Mm-hmm. And yep. get a nice little cry masturbate going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? That that Their fight and um, they made that when he... Uh, kicks kicks leary off of the thing and he falls down they they kind of actually they make it seem like he's gonna get up they they kind of create that tension that he's gonna jump up and do a die hard yeah yeah a little bit well i like when the gun gets pointed at emilio's head and it's a cop at the end and you think it's a bad guy yeah and then the cops are super like he's telling the truth oh damn it i can't shoot this guy it's like they should have caught that say anything the cop goes he's telling the truth and he's like he didn't say anything yeah no (laughs) i know i they should have caught that edited that a little bit better but and then i uh, must i must say i do not like with the directing um when they do that thing when he pops his head out of the rv early on and you see the camera angle. Oh yeah, um, and it's coming. Does like at you. the horror directing it's a when it's like in, a first yeah. person, right? And it's pushing in on him, but then it's just nothing. Shit like that bugs me because it's deliberate manipulation. Like, put it up there, have the camera still on him, and and lead me to wonder, right? Yeah, but don't suggest. Yeah, yeah, I no, agree. you can't do and that. Then take away. I think There's that's the remnant of, of this movie moments. being. initially a thriller and then them re-editing or maybe even doing some reshoots but I think things like that were meant to be like oh no is he really dead or is this happening when are we at danger like those are a little more acceptable to do in a in a a thriller horror movie because you want that 
sense of impending doom to keep coming at you. But in this movie, that and and at the end with Leary being dead on the ground, but it's like, is he going to get up or like, it's a trick, get an ax, you know, that kind of shit. Um, it didn't fit and it, and it, it, it hurt, it hurt this movie. I also think that, um, the directing in the, there's a couple other moments where in the sewer where they have the close up of someone's face and then the, that was really weird. Yeah. Yeah, Super. The whole scene, it was like a different director came on board and directed just one scene with the bad guys in the sewer. And then he like, then they called it a day and they banged the other director back. Like, I don't know what that was. He found a lens he liked. Yeah. He's like, oh man, I really want to use this lens for this one scene. All that was like out of place and felt completely out of context in this movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And then the movie didn't need the, the happy jokey ness of the ending with the going to the football game no. and blah 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 like those guys should have carted off yeah. and Emilio should have like called his wife and said I'm coming home she was there they he said your wife yeah, apparently they said she was there which was also horseshit makes no fucking sense no, I didn't she hear the that baby but now? if that did if that did make it to the movie somebody should have been yeah no Fr- Frank uh, in the write up it says Frank then exit the building to his waiting wife who we yeah. hate and kind of wish that Frank had a gun and killed her. Yeah, I wish he goes out and just says, I'm filing for divorce and I'm taking custody. So you don't take the baby to a horrible fucking asshole as well. Yeah, I'm sure she was like, oh, so uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ray's dead. Oh, that's good. At least one less of your friends to come around. That's probably yeah. the first thing she said. <laughs> She's like, and yeah, she, they, they hug. They hug and they hold hands and they look at other, each other in the eyes. And there's this long pause, and then she goes, "Kind of glad Ray's dead." Yeah. And then, <laughs> what were you doing? And in then that's the end. You were asking black. for this. No, it's the look on his face of shock and horror, and then it cuts to black, and then it's like that's the, the real horror story here is his wife. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yeah. She should go. Where's Ray? And he's like, he he didn't make it. And then she just turns away and smiles. Good. Like that's <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah. This movie's actually got one woman in it, and they make her look bad. Yeah. So like this movie ha- does not have a good commentary on women. Like no. it's a terrible take on it's cliché. It's totally regressive. Women are naggy. I guess there's the women gay don't like your friends. Women are bitchy. Right? Yeah. It's all of the clichés yeah. of what make make women hate movies with like what movies have done to women is what this movie did. Yeah. Uh But does it, it hold is. up? Ooh, well, ooh. Can I go first? Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? I do. This I'm movie, not going first. This movie doesn't hold up. This is quite a bad movie. Oh, um, okay. I don't I didn't I didn't I didn't super dig this movie at all. I'm going um, last on this one. There's <laughs> this too many there's too many things. It's like I guess it's not a, a bad movie. It's just kind of like a meh movie. It never really gets going in the way that I would like. I like some of the ideas behind it, but most of the execution is not quite there. The mostly in the main characters I needed to get behind them more. I needed to have a bit more of their story to show me why they are the way they are and why there's going to be some conflict instead of, you know, it's all driven from high stakes situations and booze. And that just doesn't make for exceptionally interesting characters. Like Emilio could have been more of a badass, and that could have been easily explained with what they were working with. And that would have led for more conflict and, and why he's, um, uh, pulls his shit together and is able to win at the end of the day. Like Dennis Leary is honestly the the best part of this movie for me. 
all the other characters end up doing something at some point that is like, what? I, don't know, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, ultimately <laughs> the, the stakes getting set up at the start so poorly with the bad wife. Like if he had a loving family to go home to, I would have really wanted him to survive to get back there. And unfortunately, uh, that's not the way it made me feel at the end of the day. And um, you know what? One thing surprisingly at the sub 111 minute mark, um, this movie didn't feel too long. It did move. Um, It cruised once we got going. So that's not its problem. This was a, a lot of character writing. That was the biggest problem for this for this movie for me. And so there it is. Does not hold up. Brent? Fuck, man. Uh, can I skip this week? <laughs> Are you on no, the fence? Well, I am. Like, I mean, I am, but I think it's because of nostalgia. Like, I'm on the fence too. Love- Me and Brent are both on see. We're both on the fence because of nostalgia. You're right. It's Yeah, I feel like it's a nostalgia, but I feel like also this movie has so much good about it. Like it is, it manages to be fun and exciting, um, which isn't easy. I mean, look at all the movies that we watch that just don't handle that, right? Mm. It's, it's um, the characters are mostly uh, believable or have like some sense of uh, charisma, right? And we can follow them. Even Piven, who I like to joke about hating. Um, he does have a charisma about him. He has that really schmarmy, salesy kind of thing. And like, you know that he's a good time. Um, fuck, I'm just wasting time here. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I I like this movie. I will watch it again. But if I'm looking down the scope of, ah, fuck, I don't know. Colin, <laughs> you talk for a bit. I feel the same way as Brent. Like, like I find... I don't feel like I don't regret watching this movie after I'm done. Like I, I have fun. Uh, I like some of the characters. I like some of the things that happens. Probably doesn't hold up because of the writing. The writing. There's there's just so many bad places where the writing could have easily been fixed and changed. The wife is a great example. Just these minor little tweaks that like would elevate the project like so quickly by just making a couple of dialogue changes here and there. Huh, yeah, I mean, it's short. It doesn't feel too long. Uh, do I give it a pass? I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in for you here. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that this movie holds up. <laughs> I want to give it a pass too, but shit. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Because this movie is riddled with with problems, but I don't feel like they are breakable problems, right? Like, the wife's a bitch, but we move on from that fairly quickly, and she never comes up again until the end, um, aside from just being, like, stakes for Leary to find and talk about wanting to go there and fuck her. Um, it's... It moves well, like you said, once we get there, right? Like once we're on the highway, we're in the midst of it. There's a hiccup with that little inter like a thing with the fucking, you know, redneck guy in the truck and his girlfriend, whatever. Um, but again, it moves on fairly quickly. It's there to, to, to provide us with a little bit more information about the characters. So I won't begrudge it too much. I just don't think it's effective. 
And then we get into the exciting stuff. And I think Leary's good. And I think that the characters, as far as actors go, this movie's got a lot of really capable people. I mean, you got Dorf, you got fucking uh, Show Me the Money. You got, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, Sexual Predator. And then you got fucking Emilio. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's fun. I think it's active. I think that the music plays into it in a big way by letting you know that this movie is just meant to be kind of like a fun ride. And um, it's not without problems, but I don't feel like those problems mean that you wouldn't enjoy this movie if you watched it. And I think that you would. I I do like this movie more than I should. Um, I don't think it's a bad movie necessarily. I, I don't think it's a bad movie for me. I think it's a movie I can watch that is enjoyable, fun, and exciting it's 1993 it's an older movie god dang it 93 this had no homophobic or racism shit and at 93 that's pretty good that is pretty good yeah even had a lesbian couple i i think it's a bit of a sleeper i think it's a bit of a sleeper i think it would have done much better at the box office had there not been these incidents around it, I, I'm going to just give it a pass, which means that it was on yeah. the fence. It was on the fence, but I'm going to give it a pass because I feel like it's effective in doing what what it's supposed to be doing, which is being enjoyable, fun, and passing the time. And at the end of the movie, I don't regret it. Like I regret watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. For me, that's why it didn't <laughs> hold up. Because at the end of the day, the messages and themes of that movie are these guys are pieces of shit. And like they're garbage human beings, and why did I watch this? I don't feel that way when I watch this. I, I feel like it wasn't a waste of time. It was, uh, and it and it moves. It moves. It's and it's got lots of good action, and even the fight scenes and stuff. It's well directed, mostly. Yeah, I give it a pass. Borderline. It's borderline. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> so, so I shocked. Love it man. I'm so I shocked. know. I know. It's it's probably the nostalgia thing, John. <laughs> I gotta say. This yeah, is I really weird because to... me and Brent, me and Brent are usually never against John, and this is a rare occasion. So, congrats, everybody! Yeah, actually, yeah, it's rare that Colin and I side against John, yeah. uh, but it does tend to be on these nostalgic. John, you're points. a piece yeah, of yeah, shit. That's what I'm piece, no, you're a picky you guys are, piece you guys of are shit. Stuck in the past. This movie is <laughs> I garbage. may be, and I'll admit that that's true. Movie. I'll admit that that's true, but maybe this is my uh, Harold and Kumar. I, because I, I think Harold and Kumar is, should have been burned. And you guys <laughs> said it held up. So you know what? If this is my Harold and Kumar, I'll take this over Harold and Kumar any day. <laughs> any day uh, I'd watch well, this. That, that is a crazy reference. These are not even movies. No, but Brent, if you had to pick between watching this again or Harold and Kumar and you could not watch the other one again, what would you pick? Like if I could only watch one of these forever? Yes, again, the other one you could never watch. Oh man, well it's this. <laughs> yeah, I mean probably it's this. This is this has got more 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 uh content, more uh more bones to it uh that you could take into into the future better. But even I mean, the Harold bad acting is, is just fun. so fun, man. Even the bad acting is fun. Even some of the bad stuff is at least laughable and funny yeah. if it's like Yeah. I don't know. Good. <laughs> I stand. I stand by my hold up. Yeah. It's borderline, but this gets a pass from from me, and I'm pretty particular. Honestly, if you were associated with this movie, just know that that's about as good a fucking review as you could hope for. Um, 
and I I pretty surprised by that. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy to see that Colin also, uh, you know, bias uh, be damned. He spoke with his he spoke with his well. heart, not with his head on this one. So that's at least something. He's not he's not wrong. I'll accept that. John, Aww. don't don't, no don't denigrate there. his uh, his. Uh, you know, no, I'm. He's usually very it. critical, and if, I think if he turned his super critical, typically critical eye on this, he would not let the things that go on in this pass in other movies. I think. But I think his, that what this movie does I think for what women he's doing is, now is actually a better um, way of like evaluation. fifty years. <laughs> so that is probably <laughs> the most negative thing about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if you've never seen this movie ever before, I think you would enjoy it. You may at the end of the day say it's not a great movie, but I think you'll get enjoyment out of watching this movie. There's fun, there's action, there's surprises and twists. I think I think it's enjoyable. All right, and we're making yeah. statements like that because I don't remember this movie in full. Like I've seen pieces of it over the years and I'd say spend your time elsewhere. <laughs> Whoa, John's like a full don't even watch. I see. I, yeah, that's surprising. That's really surprising. John mostly never says that. He really hates this movie. I did not get this kind of disdain during the during the talk. It's no it's just so meh. It's just so meh. There's just nothing but to But I'm not see saying here. it's not meh. I'm just saying it's enjoyable. <laughs> Anyone that's seen the emoji movie knows that meh has a place, okay? Yeah, no, for sure. Like the the Mario movie is a nice meh movie. There's nothing like me, crazy amazing about it. But it's like kind me, of kind of fun. Me and Dave tried to watch the new Mission Impossible last night, which is two hours and forty three minutes, by the way. Christ and we did not, Christ. and we did not get through half of it. The writing was every piece of single dialogue in that movie from the half of the movie that we watched was all explain logged. There was no genuine good dialogue. Christopher McQuarrie co-wrote it too. There's not one piece of dialogue in that movie that was not explain logged. Not not one piece of dialogue. This is ten times better than the new Mission Impossible. Ten times better. Well, that doesn't surprise me. People seem to have completely fallen off. They just—they the don't give a road. crap. They just gave up. Like, how? What was that script? Two hundred and ten pages. Two hundred and twenty pages. That's insane. They were like, "I'm just wondering, is it long enough? <laughs> can we put more in? Like, they probably edited. What else can we add? They probably edited twenty or thirty minutes out. And let's put five hundred million dollars into marketing it. That'll help. Yeah. That's the fucking problem is a lot of these movies that fail would have succeeded with better marketing. And then you see these movies that are just shit and that's where the marketing goes because they try to capture it, right? It's like they're trying to make that money back or whatever. They, they see what a fucking mess they've got once they screen it and they're like, Christ, fucking advertise in Malaysia. Whatever. You, know what, you know what made us stop watching it? Was like it was so bad, and we were complaining about it. But then Dave said to me, he turned to me and he goes, "This is only part one, so this movie's not gonna have even any answers because it's only the first one of two. And I, we're like, let's shut it off, like, because that means the at fuck? the end it's, it's only gonna be a part one. It's only part one. It's two hours and forty three minutes, part one. That's upset. And now Paramount's on the fence, on the hook to try and make part two when this was in a huge failure." So what are, what are they going to do with part two? Are they going to make it? Are they going to tell Tom Cruise, no, we're not making this? It was a failure. What other studio is going to want to make it? No one. Dude. Tom Cruise should garbage. be embarrassed 
by this movie. The amount of time, effort, and sweat he put into this movie, he should be embarrassed. He should like Bro, take a year a off he should be and we invalu- he yeah. should go back and watch the first Mission Impossible and reevaluate how they're approaching these movies. Because the first but one was less than two hours. he wouldn't get to jump a bike off a cliff and do a parachuting a couple of times. That's like, <laughs> that's the biggest thing I heard about this movie. Well, I, we, did, we, we didn't even get there. I feel get, like, I feel like these there. movies have just become a vehicle for him to have like fun. Yeah, agreed. Kind of like Cameron with, with the ocean. Subs, yeah. Ocean Cameron. Ocean Cameron. Ocean yeah. Well, let's hope, boys, that in next week's episode, we get the same good Leary, uh, but a vastly superior movie, more interesting in Suicide Kings. My dudes, this has Christopher Walken. Let's kidnapped have a time. I'm so excited. Let's My do vote it. is no. My vote is no. This movie will not hold up. Suicide Kings. I've only seen it like twice. So I, I recall literally next to nothing other than Walken being a badass kidnap victim. Yeah, that's fair. I've seen this probably a half dozen or more times. Um, this was one of those ones where if I'm sick or if I'm home, just like nothing's going on and I just need something on, I'll sometimes put Suicide Kings on. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, it's another familiar favorite. Noise. Fair enough. Speaking of familiar favorites, Thomas Crown Affair will follow that up, which I used to have a huge soft spot for because I me would too, wonder me too. what it's like to be a super rich person um, and get away with yeah. crazy crimes. So that's Thomas Crown. Uh, and then we're going to finish off with werewolves and vampires in the smash hit Underworld to see if that movie deserved as many sequels as it got. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if the main actress was not as beautiful as she is, they would not have. Probably that's absolutely true. Yeah. If Jeremy Piven was the main character in Underworld, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a tight little bodysuit, <laughs> they would not have had an Underworld 2. I did used to have a huge crush on Kate Beckinsale, so I was excited. thought you were going to say Jeremy Piven. Used Pivin. to. Well, yeah, I just haven't seen her in any movies lately, so I guess I still do. I think like a vampire, yeah. she probably doesn't age. Mm, fair enough. So yeah. there it is. All right, folks. Our probably gen- one of those aliens. Yes, that feels about right. Um, <laughs> there is our January. We'll keep on rocking the rocking the world. world. You keep on rocking us with your views and uh, listening in. And um, yeah, good luck with Judgment Night. That's all I'll say. So uh, we'll catch you in the next episodes <laughs> to follow. Uh, we really look forward to that one. Uh, I'm still just shocked. I'm really shocked. He hates us, son. Well, uh, this is the Harold and Kumar episode for me. I like went and laid down after you guys said that movie held up and <laughs> stared at the ceiling for like 15 minutes. I was like, what? What is going on? <laughs> they were riding a, what were they riding? A unicorn? I can't even remember. A now. cheetah. <laughs> Whatever. May which as well was, have been a unicorn. Which was bullshit. But anyway, still a more pleasant watch than uh, this one. Uh, so there. Uh, anyway, folks, we'll catch you in Suicide Kings in next week's episode. Thanks for joining us for this one. We'll, um, uh, yeah, we'll get back at you next week. And until then, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. 
Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.